Let me welcome you back here to Systematically Wild, and I'm going to bring back in Kevin Luco here for us. And Kevin, man, those Minnesota Wild just refuse to go down, especially after a crazy game today. I never thought I'd ever see a game like this played at X Orange Center or anywhere with the Wild as they put up their first double-digit goal tally with a 10-7 win over the Western Conference leading Vancouver Canucks. And this game on Monday afternoon just defied any logic whatsoever. Minnesota, it was a couple empty nets at at the end of the game, but seven goals in the third period. I mean, that's just, it was just a stunning afternoon for the 19,000 plus in St. Paul on President's Day. 5-0-1 since the All-Star break, Kevin. This team's trying to make us believe they have a legitimate shot of making a playoff. They are definitely making it tough on Bill Guerin come trade deadline time. You know, they really can't do a lot as far as bringing guys in. But if they were going to be out of it, there were some pieces they could move to try to build for next year or the year after. But, you know, the moves that they did make, picking up Declan Chisholm on, off of waivers, and basically, you might as well just call Mason Shaw as like a free agent signing as he signed a two-way deal to with with Minnesota, nullifying his AHL deal that he had originally signed. So you're gonna have to kind of consider Chisholm and Shaw to be like your uh, trade deadline acquisitions. That's part of the reason why you have a veteran guy with uh, has some NHL experience, a guy that's gritty and and can do a lot of different things for you. So Shaw could be a a big piece for that club for sure. Well, Kevin, let's talk about uh, a a pretty crazy week then. So we'll we'll go for this club here. We'll start out with, uh, first of all, a 5-3 victory over Vegas. You and I had talked about that last week on Tuesday. We're doing the show, as Kevin mentioned, out here on President's Day here on this Monday on February 19th. So a 5-3 week starts uh, the club out on the road. They get a 3-1 victory in, in Arizona on Wednesday. Uh, a, a pretty good goaltending performance. An Arizona club that is getting a lot better and, and has played pretty well, especially in their own home rink. But Minnesota coming away with a big victory there. I think, as I had predicted last week, that Minnesota remembered that 6 nothing beating they took at home against the Coyotes in January and they played a really good game in Arizona and 3 1 because, you know, Connor Ingram in the first two periods was excellent for the Coyotes. Otherwise, we're, we could have been looking at 5 1, 6 1. But good solid road win for the Wild on Wednesday at Mullet Arena. Mark Andre Fleury with 25 saves in that game, Kevin, played very well in net. Um, Matt Boldy with, uh, closes out the scoring in that contest, his 19th of the season. He'll, he'll reach 20, as you and I are talking about this week. But for a guy for a while had been non-existent, we weren't really noticing him on the score sheet. Looks like he's got that touch going on again. He was a guy, I believe, that benefited the most from the coaching change because under Dean Evanson, Boldy was frankly in a rut. And ever since John Hines took over, you know, it gets a 
switch has flipped for Boldy, and he's become on that line with Erickson Ekka and Kaprizov, just a dynamic offensive force. On Saturday, the club returns home, takes a 3-2 loss in overtime to Buffalo. Great uh, goaltending battle through two periods. Kevin, as neither team is able to get any offensive production going. Then a pretty wild third period where each team scores twice in that. Erickson Eck, who had just an amazing week, uh, scored his 25th goal of the season to get Minnesota on the board first uh, in that game, but uh, unfortunately dropped the game in overtime. Still come away with a point, so I know you talk a lot about not wanting to give away points, especially in your own division kind of thing, but at least you came away with one against an out-of-conference opponent, so you're not really hurt by them getting two points and you only getting one there, I guess. You're not, but I think the pain on the game Saturday was giving up that lead late in the third period and on a goal-mouth scramble where a couple guys for Buffalo did not get boxed out like they should have and were able to <clears throat> poke the puck past Gustafson to tie the game up. You know, yeah, I get your, get your logic out of that. You know, it's not a team you're chasing, but that point was a tough one to give up. You know, there's just not a lot of room for error at this point, and it was it was a little frustrating to come out of that with just um, one point. So I, I take it, Rob, you, you didn't want to take a stab at pronouncing Buffalo's goaltender's name. <laughs> and not, not tonight. L- Lukanen. Okay, well, see, I, I can go with that one. We'll just go with that. Uh, that. If, if, if you had his name in Scrabble, you'd win. I mean, it would go right <laughs> off the board. I, I think it would be too long for the entire board. But, I mean, Uko Pekka Lukanen, that, that has six Ks in his name. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Liking that a lot, man. But, but, but you know, pretty impressive in the fact that uh, – Buffalo, you know, a, a team maybe you say to yourself, we should be coming away with more points out of that kind of thing. But um, what a wild goaltending battle, though. I mean, it, just, it was an exciting contest. I, I like games like that, Kevin, where you feel like every play really matters in the contest, and that's really what we got to see in that game. You know, my friend and I went to that game, and afterwards we were we had dinner afterwards, and we were just talking, and, you know, we agreed. He didn't obviously like the result as a Wild fan, but, you know, as a hockey fan, it was a very good hockey game. Absolutely. Very entertaining. Well, how about from a great goaltending battle <laughs> to a completely crazy game on Monday here, a game where Minnesota trailed in this game by three goals on a couple of occasions, then scored six unanswered goals, uh, Kaprizov and Eriksson both with hat-tricks today in a wild 10-7 victory over Vancouver. This was, as we were talking about before the show, this was like a flashback to, like, 1982 hockey with, like, the, uh, I think of a couple of freewheeling teams like the Flames and the Kings back when the teams just had tons. Of, or, like, the Oilers and Kings, imagine them um, battling out with Bernie Nichols and Dane Taylor, Marcel Dion, Gretzky, Messier, Yari Curry. That's what it was like um, when, you you know, following along with the game today. It was un- unbelievable. Poor goalies. 
So Erickson Eck with his 26, that's the first goal for Minnesota when they were trailing 2 nothing. Vancouver responds with two more goals. And Matt Boldy scoring his 20th goal of the season. Uh, Zuccarello, excuse me, scores his 10th of the season to make it 5-2. to two. That started the run of six straight goals. Erickson Eck with two goals in that. Kaprizov with two goals during that span. Marco Rossi scores his 15th. Kaprizov calls out the scoring with his 23rd, and Brodin scores his fourth. Both of those empty netters, the last two goals of the game, as Kevin mentioned. 10-7. First of all, let's start with Boldy and and uh, Rossi there, uh, Kevin, because Boldy with his 20th, I mean, he's clearly measured up to exactly what the organization was looking like when they sent him down to Iowa to begin with, and he was playing very well there, has really developed into a premium scorer for this club. Marco Rossi, he was struggling last year, Kevin, and, they, and I think the team looked like they were a little disappointed in his performance. Are you seeing now that he really is living up to expectations for them? I think so, and, you know, right now he's he's um, he's the number two center, and I think there is – it looks like Minnesota has decided just to stack the first line and – then you got a second line of um, Marcus Johansson and Matt Zuccarello with Rossi. So they're not quite the dynamic players that Kaprizov and Bodie and Erickson Eck are. So the, there's been a little bit of a drop-off for Rossi in the second half, but I thought it was Rossi's goal in the third period was the only goal in the entire game that didn't have Erickson Eck, Bodie, or Kaprizov in the scoring. Yes, uh, Boldy with four points, Erickson Eck and Kaprizov with six each, three goals and three assists, and Zuccarella with a goal and three assists in the game as well. Um, uh, uh, Gustafson with 16, uh, 16 shots on net, saves 11. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury comes in for the final eight shots of the game, saves six of those. So, um, wow, just what a crazy game. I guess this un- unbelievably crazy game. But the most important part of a crazy game, Kevin, is that you came up out of the winning side. Well, I thought it was interesting, too. Casey DeSmith for Vancouver played the whole game. And DeSmith was a goalie that first two times out against Minnesota this year shut them down pretty good. But they surprisingly left them out there for, granted, you know, there was two empty net goals. But, yeah, eight goals, they let him stay in for it. And I thought it was interesting. I don't have Vancouver schedule in front of me, so I don't know if they have a game on Tuesday night that they're they were saving Thatcher Demko for. But I know I just don't know if that does a ton for dismiss confidence being hung out like that. But right yeah. now, you know, as we talked about maybe a week or so ago, that first game after the All Star break where Basically, the top two lines were silent, and John Hines called them to task. It seems like ever since then, especially the line of Kaprizov, Ayers, and Akinbodi have just been on fire, and I know there's a lot of great lines in the NHL, but boy, is anyone, is there a line out there that's cranking out right now as well as Eric's and Akinbodi and Kaprizov? Well, Eric's and Akinbodi. I believe five goals this week, and that's excluding the Vegas game. Just in the last three games of the week, there, Boldy had a couple of goals. Kaprizov with 
four, I think, this week. So um, that just a sensational performance by this group. And 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 you know, you it wasn't just the coaching staff calling them out. I think a lot of people were trying to say, "Hey, what happened to you guys out here?" And and all the, I think they've heard that message and really have stepped up their game, knowing this team is going to go as far as they'll take them right now toward a playoff run. And so. If they don't step up their game, they're not going to get great offensive production. And right now, man, these guys are as good as it gets. So giving this team a very legitimate shot of getting into the playoffs, Kevin, and talking about this week, Kevin, at Winnipeg, at Edmonton, at Seattle this week, three games you got to feel, even on the road, at least two of those got to be must win. It's going to be a tough week, and you know the pundits of Minnesota are saying, "Heck, if they can go, if they can win two of the four, including the game today, that it will be a good week." Well, you're off to a good start, but it's time to get greedy. You got a couple of seats to cash in on the Jets after what happened on New Year's weekend. Edmonton was the team that Minnesota generally has somehow matched up well against, and the Oilers have come down to earth a little bit lately. And Seattle is a team Minnesota had success with in the previous trip out there. So, you know, there are signs to think that maybe this could be a good week for Minnesota. But I think as good as that first line is cooking, I think you are, you still have to address the fact that they need to get some more production out of their third and fourth lines. And you have to think at some point Mason Shaw slots in for somebody we thought it was going to be Freddie Gaudreau, but Gaudreau has managed to somehow stay in the lineup. And, but it's going to have to be a – you're going to have to get production from those two lines because you're going to have a game where a team will, will – especially, you know, being on the road, the team's going to be able to put their best defensive line on those guys all night. So you're going to need to have that secondary scoring if you're going to have any success. Absolutely right, Kevin. And – uh, as you and I were talking before the show here, is that just a couple of points out right now this team is from grabbing that eighth and final playoff spot, and still a couple of teams ahead of them, but, you know, this is suddenly all of a sudden a club that is right in the thick of things, and, you know, I I, I was almost near throwing dirt on their graves, but um, very legitimate oh, shot with 27 games left here. Very legitimate shot. Oh yeah, I mean you're looking. There's still a quarter of this, a third of the season to play yet. So, yep. You know it's it's um, anyone's for the taking, and you just hope by the time the trade line comes around, you have a good read on is this going to be a playoff team or is this going to be a team that we need to maybe sell some impending free agents from. And, you know, the, and the really neat thing about as well as they're playing, they're doing this without Patrick Maroon or Marcus Foligno, two of the more bigger character guys on the team. So, you know, if you get those guys healthy down the stretch, uh, there's just there's going to be some depth on this team, and guys are going to have to earn their ice time. And Kevin accurately said Vancouver does play tomorrow night against Colorado, in Colorado, as a matter of fact. So. Okay. Reason Demko didn't come out. I, could, I was going to say that'd be a good reason to save Demko. <laughs> yes, yes, it would. Well, a very successful week for the big club. Not so for the middle club there, as the Iowa Wild dropped two games in Texas, Kevin. Yeah, it's just not a not been a good place for them to play. You know, they battled really hard on Friday to 
tied the game late, but just um, gave up a goal right away. And then, you know, this team just somehow just does not match up well with Texas. The sad part about that, Kevin, was not only battled back from a 4-1 deficit of thing in that contest before tying the game up, but we're four goals against Matthew Murray. That's like a, a season almost against Matthew Murray for this club and still can't come away with a victory. I, I, I thought that was a little disheartening. Yeah, I thought it was, and I don't think it was Jesper Volstead's um, shining moment either, as I thought um, and as Ben Gisselson pointed on the broadcast. It was not a good night for the young Swede. Well, as Kevin and I are talking, they the team did uh, – come away with a 3-1 victory against Rockford at home here today. So got came away with something out of the week. But um, let's just quickly go through these other two games. Uh, the first one is a very tough loss in Texas on Friday night. Uh, the club pl- looked like they were just going to get blown off the ice because t- Texas was dominating this game. But Iowa able to battle back after falling behind 3-0 early in this contest. Or, or, in, in, so let me rephrase that. No scoring in the first period, then three goals in the first 10 minutes of the second period put them down. But uh, Iowa battles back to make it a one-goal game. Uh, Texas is able to extend the lead back to two, but Adam Beckman with two goals in this game, including a power play tally, ties the game up at four. But two goals for Texas in the final two minutes, the final four minutes of the game give them the victory. Volstead with 24 saves on 29 shots. Matthew Murray saved 33 of 37. Uh, just a, a tough way after battling that to come away with that. I thought, man, it, I almost felt like you had to have a point in that game, and they just came away with nothing. You thought that maybe they would find a way to at least get a point out of it, and I thought the positives were that Sammy Walker exerted himself um, really well in that game, um, getting a goal, I believe, and then um, two goals by Adam Beckman, you know, two of the guys we've been looking forward to be forces on that offense all year. So two positives there, but like we said, you know, they battle back to tie the game and just to give up the lead goal right away again. On Saturday, a 3-2 to two loss. Um, it's a 2-1 to one lead for Texas coming out of the first period. Adam Beckman scores his third goal of the weekend then texas scores one late in the second period to make it three to one nick batan scores his 12th goal of the season on the power play to make it three to two but that is as close as they get batan and beckman two guys that i i think we we're both looking for potentially 20 goal seasons out of these guys and they still could reach that mark um, but they have just not been as potent i think as many would believe jesper volstead with 26 saves in the game you know, Patan had a little bit of a hot stretch, but then it seems like he has cooled off. But he is a guy that I describe as a good, as a hockey version of a 4A baseball player where he's very good in AAA, but just doesn't quite have that thing for being up in the big club. So, you know, Patan is a guy that needs to dominate on that level if I was, is going to have some success and get back into the playoff chase. A big 3-1 to one victory over Rockford today, Kevin. Jester Volstead rebounds with a 29-save performance to help them get the win here today. Um, the big, 
uh, a big story I took out of this. Will Butcher was a guy you were really kind of hyped on that they brought in here, and he gets his fifth goal of the season with the club. I, I, know, I, I thought that was – he's been a nice acquisition for the team and really has helped bolster, add a little grit to the team, I think, which was something they were looking for. Well, he's a veteran presence, and he's also an offensive presence, and I think that has helped made up for the loss of Andy Walensky. So, and Butcher, I believe, a bit younger than Walensky, too. Maybe not by much, but a bit younger. So he's been a very good addition to the team. And, you know, if, if you weren't, if the Wild didn't sign Declan Chisholm, Butcher could have been a guy that could potentially have seen a call up. But right now, Minnesota is, has been put in a defenseman in the press box every night, so they're not going to have two guys up there um, getting scratched. Caden um, Bankier and Teasdale scored the other two goals for the Wild in that game, the 3-1 to victory here today. Uh, as we are finishing talking here on after this win tonight, Iowa comes in now at 18-27-3. They are tied with Chicago for sixth place, although I don't think this reflects that victory today, but maybe it does. Okay, so 48 games for, for Iowa, um, hanging on technically to that final playoff spot. Uh, the week does not get easier for them. Kevin, they will, will, Rockford will stay in town to play on Wednesday night, then Saturday in Rockford and Sunday in Chicago. So uh, those are the two teams tied or ahead of you in the standings. So you got uh, as much as we're saying – you got to feel like the Minnesota Wild got to come away with two of the three games for victories this week. You got to feel like the Iowa Wild are in the same boat. Well, these are darn nearly playoff games for Iowa when you think about it, because that's two of the teams that they're trying to chase down, and you're going to have to try to get try to run the string out if you're serious about getting back into a playoff spot. Six points behind Rockford for fourth place. Are, are you? Do you think? And I don't mean to to diminish a team's, you know, playing for every game for victory. But but if you're the Iowa Wild, are you just playing for the fifth spot right now just to get into the playoffs? Are you seriously thinking you have a chance to catch Rockford? I think with the the psyche of the team right now is they just want to play the best hockey that they're capable of, and everything else will take care of itself. I don't think you have to look at standings right now. Right now, you have to look at look at your own game. Are you giving your chance, yourselves a chance to win every night? With that, if you're doing the right things, the wins will come, and then you'll go up in the standings. But I don't think you can really dwell upon your spot in the division right now. you just got to focus on being the best Iowa Wild team that you can be. The funny thing, Kevin, was a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the Iowa Heartlanders as the one team in the organization that had a legitimate shot at making the playoffs. Now they look like the team that is not going to make the playoffs at all as they drop all three games this week. Yeah, disappointing week for the Landers. I was hoping that this week was going to be a springboard for them not to better things than a playoff chase, but just didn't have it this week. The tough thing, Kevin, four goals is all they scored in those three games this week. And I don't care how good your goaltending, which wasn't great this week, but it doesn't really matter when you just can't put the puck in the net. No, I mean, you did give up 15 yourself. So, I mean, I was just uh, 
It was a bad week all around. Three to one loss on Wednesday. Iowa does score first in the game, but then gives up three unanswered goals. Peyton Jones got the start, 48 shots, which is ridiculous. Uh, gives up two goals in that to take the three to one loss in that game. Uh, on Friday night, a seven to one loss to the Indy Fuel. In this case, it is Peyton Jones again. He's able to stop 27 to 34. Probably a little shell shocked after Wednesday's performance. Uh, the only goal for Iowa coming off the stick of Casey Dornbach in the loss. They give you get two goals on Saturday and a 5-2 loss to the Fuel. Uh, in that game, it is Drew DeRitter getting the start. He stops 21 of 31. Iowa uh, was in this game. It was tied at two after two periods, but they give up three in the third to wind up taking the loss, reminiscent of how the team had performed in their first couple of years when the third period seemed to be an abysmal uh, time for this club. But, um, you know, I, I don't think, you know, I, you could say, well, you gave up a lot of goals this week. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. But uh, this team was just shut down in many ways. And, and I think in an attempt to try to generate some offense, they were just leaving their goaltender hanging a lot of times. And so, um, you know, it's kind of a big team losses for this club this week. And, you know, and within that, they find themselves right back in the cellar again. And now you're eight points out of the playoff spot. You got two games on hand on fourth place, Fort Wayne, but you also have two teams that you're going to have to climb to get there. So it's going to be a tough road for the Heartlanders. Well, they do benefit from Wichita coming to town this Wednesday night. The Thunder have been terrible this year, so uh, they have a shot for that. Now you're going to face off against Cincinnati on uh, Friday and Saturday, Kevin. Cincinnati directly ahead of you in the standings. So you got to look at that as absolutely taking both those games. And I feel like with Wichita coming to town, you got to win that one too. So I think anything short of a sweep this week is a very disappointing performance for the club. Yeah, you know, you you got to try to get the win on Wednesday and get your confidence up, and then you pack them up and get on the road where you've had some success lately and head to Cincinnati and try to win a couple games. Well, this is also one of those points you talk about too, Kevin, is you got to win both those games against Cincinnati in regulation. You can't give them any points at all. So, you know, two, two to one in points. Is, is just not good enough this week if you're going to catch and start getting ahead of some clubs out there. So straight-up victories and regulation is what the club's got to be looking for. Well, Kevin, uh, let's talk a little more NHL here tonight. And uh, a lot of – over the last few weeks, we've talked more about what's going on out west. But uh, our good buddy Steve Montgomery, the Sioux City Explorers manager, doesn't give much credence to the Eastern Conference this year. But, man, uh, Florida is – is just crazy good lately. The New York Rangers have been very good. Um, either of these teams hot enough, in your opinion, to really have a, a run that gets them hoisting the Stanley Cup over their shoulders this year? I think of the two teams you mentioned, I think Florida is the one that sticks out to me. I mean, they they put a snowman on, the, on Tampa Bay last Saturday night. They've been playing with some snarl. They've Established an identity of a really hard team to play against, and I got a feeling, you know, I think you know, last year's run to the cup was something that was a uh, was a huge step for this franchise, where they they know what they have to do to get back, and 
And I can see the Panthers as being a dangerous team. What I like about them, Kevin, is how well they're playing on the road. Because let's face it, it seems like every playoff series for a team that wins the Cup, they don't win all four games in the series at home. You know, they always have two games that they grab on the opponent's ice that really gets them through a, some tough series out there. And when you can beat 13 games over 500 on the road, you have a very serious chance of going all the way. You do, and like I said, they play with a lot of their play with a lot of sandpaper. They're a really, really good grinding team, but they also have offensive talent. So it's a good combo they put together there. You know, one thing that um, for for an old timer like myself, I was enjoying all those twenty ten decade and of Washington and Pittsburgh battling every year for what seemed like the team that was heading off to the Eastern Conference Championship on on their way to the Stanley Cup. But, man, these two teams are really falling on hard times. I think they're both just getting a little long in the tooth. I saw Pittsburgh play in Minnesota on Marc-Andre Fleury night, and I you still got Crosby, Malkin, Latang, but that's an aging core they have. And I, Jake Gensel is somebody with talent, but he has struggled a bit and now has actually been in talks about moving him by the deadline. So I just, I don't see where that next wave is coming with the Penguins. You know, back when they won the Cup in 1991, you know, you had a guy that was a, uh, young player that produced a little bit in the Armory Yager, look at the career he ended up having. Well, in 91, he was just a, he was a rookie maybe picking up third-line minutes while, you know, Mario Lemieux and Kevin Stevens and Mark Recchi were the big guys up front. But right now, I just, I don't know where that next wave is coming with the Penguins. And I I thought the same thing with Washington, too, is that until he got on a hot streak lately, uh, Alexander Vetchkin, I felt like, was starting to hit that um, Danny Heatley cliff where you, you don't pro- gradually get worse. You just lose it. Yeah, you were even talking to me last week about um, him passing up on those one-timers that used to be just... Uh, you, you knew that when you you passed the puck to him standing in one of the face-off circles, he was shooting, but those days are over. Maybe so. Um, sad, sad to see the veteran you know, it was, guy. It was interesting. The you know there was talk that he may not play now past his contract expires in twenty four twenty five. Well, I guess that would be next or twenty four twenty five or twenty five twenty six. I forget. But it sounds like he may just be just have one or two more years left in the league, and it doesn't sound like he wants to play once his contract is done. Let's take you to two more stories before we head out here today, Kevin. Los Angeles Kings were were struggling, especially in early January. Got a little bit of life lately. So um, it, solid goaltending from uh, Cam Talbot and David uh, Riddich, I believe, is playing for them right now. And so um, can Los Angeles, three, three teams to get over the top of, they, they're going to get, they're going to be a serious contender come playoff time. I really like uh, Los Angeles' talent up front, and even on the blue line. I mean, Drew Doughty's just a 
stud. But I just don't know with Riddick and Talbot with over a long stretch if they, if they can be the guys that can carry you into a second or third round of the playoffs. So I think if anything's going to stop Los Angeles, it's going to be the goaltending, even if they are playing pretty decent right now. And let's close you out with this. We've talked about teams battling for the Stanley Cup. Let's talk about the teams battling for the top playoff pick. Chicago and San Jose separated by two points with Chicago with the worst record. Are they drafting first for the second straight year? Come on, we all know we all know the lottery is rigged. Of course, of course, it'll be Chicago. I mean, San Jose drafting first just wouldn't um, wouldn't be good headlines. We can't have a number one overall pick playing in San Jose because that's not a major media market. You heard it here first, folks. Kevin Luco, thanks for joining me this week. My pleasure.